karibu di tena Ninceka Welcome This is Cheka speaking And so Today's episode It's going to be About me Growing in the United States Of America I came to the United States of America when I was around 9, 10 years old with my uncle and his wife and their two children. We lived in Oakland, California. I went to elementary and then to middle school Oakland has its ups and downs but we survived and we lived there for two to three years before moving to another town my first impression of the United States from a kid's eye was wow I have never seen so many lights in my life <laughs> back in Congo yeah you were lucky in the village where I grew up you were lucky to see a light on your way in the dark if you're on your way home in the dark you you are lucky to see a light so in the united states i was i was like my mouth was open i was like what so many lights so many tall buildings so many people so many color of people it was just it was overwhelming and i remember thinking back to myself i'm here in the united states but where's my mother Does she know I'm here? Did they tell her that I arrived safely? Those questions ran in my head, but I never went to my uncle to ask him those questions. Life in the United States was overwhelming. Everything was just moving fast. I was expo- I was exposed to a different language. Uh let's take a step back a little bit here. Before coming to the United States, we were in Botswana and my uncle applied for asylum. And we came to the United States as refugees. Um, like most of people from 
third world countries that are in the united in the united states are refugees first generation second generation whatever you want to call it we're all here so in Botswana I went to school and I spoke a little bit of English and I spoke Setswana but I have lost Setswana if you ask me something in Setswana I will not know how to reply to you I I mean I, I will say hi Dumela but that's it I lost my Setswana the moment I came to the United States cuz I didn't have anybody to to speak it with so you know you know the saying that goes if you don't use it you lose it it's true believe me <laughs> it's true so yeah i knew a little bit of english here and there but i was not proficient in it i mean i had an accent which i still do so go yeah i went to uh, elementary and surprisingly i was doing good and i got into my first fight in the united states in elementary school mhm yeah i did <laughs> what happened was we were playing hopscotch during recess and one of my classmates decided to just cut me uh, uh cut me off and take my uh, p- position in line and and go in front of me i was like no i i was here first why why would you come in front of me so long story short some uh, we 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 were on the floor wrestling and they came and separated us and obviously they called my uncle and they told him what happened And so when I came home that day, he was like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm fine." I wasn't expecting him to be calm, but he was. He he didn't yell at me, he didn't scream at me. He 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 just asked me if I'm fine. And that was in 2000 and one That was when the World Trade Center fell. I came home that day and it was all over the news. I didn't know what was happening. I I obviously I was new in America. I I, I didn't know what was wrong and who and was bur- what was burning. I I I didn't know anything. and so coming home on that day i just went by my life as if nothing happened my uncle my uncle was not mad and i lived with my uncle and his wife and their two kids and their the kids were in preschool my kid, my my um uncle and his wife were making ends meet as little as they can they worked really hard to provide for their family we were getting financial aid from the government because i mean all i i don't know maybe not all refugees get help from the government but we we got help a little bit here um here and there and um 
I remember my first Halloween. I didn't know what Halloween was, but oh, but apparently Halloween is a big deal in the United States, and so the people that were responsible for us took us out to go trick or treating. We went around asking for candy, and yeah, we came home and we're like, okay, what are we gonna do with all this candy? I mean, we ate it, obviously, but. I, I was like, what is this? People were dressed in weird clothing. I didn't know what was going on. I, I remember I, I got scared because someone had this clothing on that I, 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 I was just like, ooh. Yeah, I, yeah. America has some... Uh, its own um, traditions that I will, I will not go into. <laughs> I will not go into that. But it was a culture shock. And how, uh, how people ate, how people dressed, how people talked. Everything was just culture shock. I was not used to all that. As the years went by, we moved to Salinas, California. I continued middle school. I, and then I went to high school. High school life was good and bad because my English had improved then obviously my English was good I, I could talk I could have a conversation I could defend myself I could ask questions you name it in high school I was a bookworm I read Ooh. I read I would go to sleep late just reading, 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 taking all this knowledge in. I was a reader. I did, I got good grades. I, I was not a rebel. Mm-mm, no. Because coming from Africa, being, in, being an African child, I, I knew my place. I knew not to get into trouble. I just knew to just go to school, learn, come home. That's it. And in high school, I started, that's when I started missing home. I started missing my mom. I started missing my grandmother. Like it, it all came to me, it all came back to me in high school I'm like wait wait all these years I've been in America it's not that I'm missing home how come what is going on and so I I was calling I, I was calling my mom I was talking to my mom back in Congo, I was talking to my grandmother back in Congo. It was not every day, 
uh, no, it was maybe once a month, twice a month, or whenever I got the phone to talk to them. I would say hi, but Mikey Fuliru was dying. I was losing my mother tongue because I, I was going to school eight hours a day, sometimes nine if I stayed over to do my homework. And all I spoke was English. And I, come, I, 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 I would come home, talk to my uncle in Swahili, and sometimes in Kifuliru, and he was like, why, why is your Kifuliru disappearing? I, I, I didn't have an answer for him. My, my mother tongue was slipping away, and I, I did not like the feeling, because how was, I, how was I going to speak to my mom? My mom did not know Swahili. And she didn't know English. The only language she knew was Kifuliru, and I was losing it. I was, oh, oh, that, that broke me. That, that broke me. Okay. Fast forward. In 2011, 12, my mother got sick. She was really, really ill to the point where they had to carry her everywhere. And being here in America and feeling like I didn't have the right to go to my uncle and vent to my uncle or his wife, I felt alone. Nobody was telling me my mother's condition, how 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 was she, how she was. I just heard by a word of mouth like how how she's doing. And that was I was in college when I was of I think I was a sophomore. I was a sophomore in college when my uncle came to my school, my dorm to take me to to take me to their house or to to his house for vacation. Uh we were we were on summer vacation. I I don't know, winter, summer. I can't really remember. But he came to take me home for vacation. And all, so Sacramento and Salinas is four hours driving. And we spent four hours in the car speaking just about random stuff. And me not knowing that my mother had passed away. My uncle did not tell me. Can you imagine? People knowing that your mother had passed away, but they're not 
willing to tell you or they're not able to tell you or they're waiting for the right time to tell you. Those four hours, I was just talking no more. I, I, I didn't know that he already knew that his sister had already passed away. So we get home and I was clueless. We had dinner, I showered, I put my pajamas on and I went to sleep. In the middle of the night, I checked my phone. I don't know how my family members back in Congo got my email address. I don't know who gave it to them. I saw an email without a heading, without anything at all. I opened the email. And what I saw to this day, I cannot forget. I cannot take those images away. What I saw was disturbing, heartbreaking. I was left with my mouth wide. I didn't know how to react to those pictures. It was in the middle of the night. I, what I saw was my mother's lifeless body in a coffin. Oh, God. Oh. That, that broke my heart i'm so sorry that broke my heart to the point where i ran and i knocked and i i banged on my uncle's door and he opened up and he was like what is it what is it i just gave him my phone and i showed him the images And that's when he set me down. I, I, I was crying and out of control and bawling in tears. I asked him, what? You knew. You all knew that my mother had passed away and you did not tell me. I come to find out from these pictures, from this email, that my mother is no more. I was heartbroken. And being an only child, having to have lost my mother in that way, it was, it was just heartbreaking. And to this day, I cannot forgive her brother for not telling me. All those four hours of us driving, oh, that really broke my heart.
that really broke my heart. And so he sent me down. He tried to calm me down. I I was just I was just a wreck. I was a wreck. I did not know what to say. I didn't know how to react. He he his wife just came to me and he and she she was just hugging me and consoling me. I I I was just like, no, this is not right. You you cannot do me like that. This is my mother. This is your sister. Your sister-in-law, my mother. You cannot bring me home and just act as if everything is fine when you when you already know that she's no longer with us. After the death of my mother, my life in the United States wasn't the same anymore. It was not. I had gru- I had grudges against my uncle his wife I just I could not look them in the eye and just be like okay everything is okay no until I, until to this day I cannot I I I I just can't It's easy to forgive but it's not easy to forget and I will never forget So I don't want to talk too much about this cuz I feel like it's going to come up in other episodes ahead of us <laughs> as we go along. So yeah, my life in America and uh from that point on has never been the same anymore. so and i'm i'm learning every day to try and let go and forgive but it's hard it's been it's what since, since 2012 it it is it, it, it is now to the 2022 and i'm still having that mental illness if you want to call it a mental illness i don't know that i don't know the definition maybe you can help me out here it's that those images of my mother are mentally stored somewhere in me that i cannot go in there and take them out it's impossible that that's going to go with me forever until i'm unable to walk or breathe I cannot go in that area of my memory and say you know what I've had enough of this let me take it out that I cannot do because it's a pain that nobody will ever understand except me because I'm the one I'm I'm the one who's who has felt that pain of losing a mother And so I hope in the next episodes I will slowly disclose little by little as how 
the death of my mother have shaped me, have uh, helped me live a life of abundance, of no regret, and just live in the moment and just appreciate what life has given me. Stay tuned and we will go in more depth about life in America and what I have learned in America. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon.